What's up, boys and pals? Welcome back to another episode with your hosts. This is me, Megan, speaking. <laughs> and then this is your other host, me, Harini, speaking. Do and our voices sound alike? I don't know. I feel I, like they don't. <laughs> I think that there are times mm-hmm. where they really do sound alike. Really? Okay. But we do have like, we definitely have our own, you know, nuances and exactly but there were some early episodes where i was listening to it Uh like and i was like i don't know if i'm speaking or harini's speaking (laughs) that's so funny yeah (laughs) this was like way early like i don't know in the first 10 episodes or something no totally yeah but that's like that's a thing you know like when two people hang out with each other so much they start to sound like each other yeah, so. I've always felt that with us, and this is before we ever started uh, doing the podcast. Yeah. I mean, I've always felt that we've definitely mimic each other's facial expressions. Like that is something oh. that I think is mm-hmm. very, if you were to <laughs> hang out with us, is very visible. That's so cute. And I felt like I noticed that towards like uh, the end of our college career, as we were like, you know, we just lived together for two years straight, and you know, yeah. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, well, should we both do like the big like eye bulge thing <laughs> when we're trying to put <laughs> emphasis on something. Uh, but oh I never I have. God. Yeah, I've never thought we've like fully sounded like each other. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally have never thought that. But it's such a huge compliment if we do yeah. <laughs> to both of us. I guess. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, was there a reason why you brought that up at all? Or did someone mention that recently or no? No, no, no because you were like clarifying that you were speaking versus ah, me. So yes, I was like, yes. oh, do people mix her voices up? Right, right. But yeah, I'm not sure why I did that. You, I, maybe you, I, I don't know if you noticed. Yeah. You've done that a few times. Oh, I, maybe it's like a su- self not self-conscious, <laughs> a subconscious, like, whatever I just said, I want the credit. Oh. And I don't want anyone to mistake, <laughs> mistake I it. I get that. I get no, that. I'm fucking kidding. <laughs> but I, uh, maybe it was more of like, who the hell is making this crazy sound at the beginning of this podcast? <laughs> And I was like, let's protect Harini from that. I'll take full <laughs> accountability. Uh, so No, I really I really enjoyed the out of the gate noise. <laughs> good, good. Okay. I was gonna say, I'm really excited about this story. When I read about it, I was like, oh my god, this is cool. Like this is interesting. But I wanted to save it for the new year because I think we were just like mm. had collabs and things like that. We had other things going on. So, anyways, mm-hmm. new year, new crimes. So here we go. <laughs> As always, Megan, let me know if you've heard of this. Actually, sure. do you watch Unsolved Mysteries at all? No, I do not. Okay. I yeah, yeah. I don't either, but this is an Unsolved Mysteries episode slash story. It is the case of Patty Stallings. Hmm. Anybody? Anybody? I don't know no, that no, no. name. I'm, I'm curious that once you go into the details, I'll be like, oh, yes, I have heard of this because that's happened okay. a couple times, but I don't recognize yeah. the name. I'm looking it up. Great. <laughs> I'm looking it up now. <laughs> don't look it up. Okay, well, well, I'm sorry. I should just let you tell me. <laughs> don't look it up. I, I, don't, I don't want it to okay. be ruined in case, because it's, it's pretty won't. prominent. Okay, so okay, okay. I'll just get right into it. I'm not going to specify some of the article titles just because it kind of gives it away, but I've remembered to tell my sources at the beginning, so here they are. Awesome. Uh, it's an Unsolved Mysteries wiki, plain old wiki, uh, <laughs> an NCBI article titled blank are the workhorses of the cell uh an article it's not mitochondria by the way guys and (laughs) an article from the university of michigan and then i actually got a few more articles that are more like sciencey articles but they're also from ncbi 
Here we go. Patty and David Stallings were a relatively newlywed couple. They were already living in this marital bliss when they were further blessed with a baby boy in April of 1989. And this little boy's name was Ryan. Everything's good. Everything's perfect. Like she's literally like when she speaks about this time, when Patty speaks about this time, full name's Patricia, but I'll refer to her as Patty. Mm. So mm-hmm. when Patty talks about this time, she's like, it was honestly the one of the happiest moments of my life or just the happiest time of my life. I've married the love of my life. We have a wonderful home. And then we were blessed with this beautiful baby boy. It can't get better than this. One Friday evening in July 1989, their three-month-year-old Ryan threw up his evening meal. He seemed better the next day, but by Sunday morning, he again could not keep down any food in his stomach. Later that day, he starts to turn lethargic and his breathing becomes labored. So 24-year-old Patty calls St. Louis Children's Hospital, which is where they usually take him. I think that's where he was birthed. So they felt comfortable Mm. taking him there. So Mm -hmm. she wanted to go there. She calls the hospital. like, I'm bringing him. And she arranged to bring Ryan there. So she hurriedly straps him into his car seat. She drives the 40 miles north of St. Louis. But in the confusion of city traffic and just like her general panic, she accidentally exits a freeway too early and ends up Mm. at a different hospital called Cardinal Glennon instead which is just a few miles short of her intended destination but it was close enough yeah but it was close enough being a children's hospital you know surely the doctors know what they're doing they can take care of Ryan this is what Patty thought okay yeah interesting I'm (laughs) I'm well like I'm like to me that seems I don't know why that feels weird um but I like I understand if she's like oh fuck I, I know I exited too early yeah there happens to be another hospital we're going to that it doesn't matter it's an emergency right. like I I get that um but I'm trying to think like what would be the equivalent I guess in San Diego there is hospital mm-hmm. after hospital so I guess you could just go to anyone if it was <laughs> dire anyway yeah continue. no totally you could and I guess I guess there's always like a sense of comfort going to a place you already know that you've been to and you've received right. good care. Um, right. Not that not like going to different hospitals can be like a toss up. Sometimes they are. But you just want in a, an emergency situation. You want to go where you're comfortable is my guess. Absolutely. But, yeah. yeah. That way you don't have to deal with like extra paperwork, probably transferring over right. your medical records after your visit. exactly exactly and i think another aspect to this is that ryan's doctor works at st louis hospital children's hospital Mm, okay so they he already knows ryan's history and this and that so anyways that's the backstory okay so anyway Mm. she's not able to go to st louis she goes to cardinal instead so at cardinal Mm. ryan is immediately placed in the pediatric icu he's hooked up to a respirator gets got an iv started etc but at that point, Ryan is unresponsive and almost completely comatose, yet still mm. vomiting, unfortunately. Mm. Patty and her husband, David, were told by the doctors that they had no clue what was going on with him. And they also don't know how long Ryan would need to be there. So Patty and David were told to stay in the waiting room until the doctors could figure out what the heck was going on. So they rented a room next to the hospital so that they could be close to Ryan if anything did happen. In the meantime, mm. a complete medical exam is done on Ryan. After three long, agonizing days, David and Patty were told that Ryan would recover. And mm. also, at that point, the physicians had, like I said earlier, they had done a whole complete medical exam, including blood tests and all these labs. And the workup has come mm-hmm. back. Mm. The lab results are shocking. Ryan mm. has high levels of ethylene glycol 
aka antifreeze, in his blood. Mm. Mm. Because Ryan's symptoms were consistent with ethylene glycol poisoning, the attending physicians immediately suspect that Ryan has been poisoned, and they, of course, suspect the parents. Mm. So their initial jump is that they... Um, honestly because whenever i think of child poisoning Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. admittedly i always think the child just got into something they didn't know you know what i mean i assume a lot of poison control calls with child poisonings have to do with a kid just not just a kid being a kid and not understanding what's what right but that's an interesting that's why i'm like that's fascinating that the doctors would be like this is suspicious activity do you have any thoughts on that Yes, I do. And I was going to say, normally, and that's a great point that you brought, which I actually didn't think about when I was doing the research on this. I would mm-hmm. say the only reason why the doctors jumped to that conclusion was because Ryan is three months old. He can't even walk or crawl. Oh. So oh. he is I basically just sleeping and pooping all day. <laughs> so gotcha. he's <laughs> only being baby fed <laughs> with formula or breast milk or whatever it is. Right. Uh, so he can't really okay. like, even grab things. Like, yeah. That concept is no, not even there that's... for him yet. That's a very fresh baby. Yeah. That's a fresh that would baby. Be crazy. Yeah. It'd be crazy if you like woke up in the middle of the night and you see like a newborn almost looking like an old monkey man <laughs> opening right, a cabinet, right, right. getting an- antifreeze. Totally crazy. And, I mean, I Megan actually no. studied child development, so you probably know this better than I do. Mm. But I'm learning this because my brother and my sister-in-law have a have a new little baby. Sister-in-law was telling me how the concept of like grabbing things or you know, mm-hmm. drinking from a cup, that kind of thing. Those are all mm-hmm. tools that they have to learn. Like that's like a skill mm-hmm. that they don't learn until yeah. like six, seven months. Right. You don't think about those things. Like those are actual skills that they have to develop and understand right. to coordinate with their mouth or whatever it is. Drinking yeah. antifreeze would be very difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Like there's the, what is it? Like the grasping reflex or there's a, there's a term mm-hmm. for it, but I know the, it's yep. a reflex that they just have when they're born but to to develop the motor skills to unlatch Mm. is like a huge thing as you're Mm -hmm. going through your stages of development and so yeah Mm -hmm. so interesting to me that's kind of the reasoning behind why they jumped to that conclusion (laughs) they speak a little bit about ethylene glycol like what it is so ethylene glycol or antifreeze is a colorless sweet tasting substance which is why as megan alluded to typically kids tend to drink it because it tastes good <laughs> at first oh i didn't know that <laughs> yeah <laughs> no what now you're like okay oh, I'm gonna try. Sorry. <laughs> no 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 don't try i know my brain was like if i you ever do those things where you're like if i had the power to test something out without any consequence on right. my health or whatever yeah cyanide. like <laughs> yeah i'd be like oh maybe i like take a little a little drop just to see oh it is sweet like oh this is right. what it ta- oh, you know okay just because you're, you're never gonna try it again like you'll never have that experience yeah 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 so right. apparently right. it is sweet tasting interesting normally found in radiator industrial solvents and resins things like that and it can be fatal in large enough doses david and patty confirm that essentially okay they tell david and patty ryan's gonna recover but they don't mm-hmm. tell them outright, like, we think you poisoned your son, so we're going to call the police. Like, they obviously, they just play nice externally. But yeah. behind the scenes, they've already called the police. They've let them in on the whole situation. And then detectives eventually come to the hospital and question both David and Patty. And David mm. and Patty confirmed that both substances were in their home, so they have antifreeze in their home. But they don't know how Ryan could have ingested it, given, you know, obviously his age. 
doctors mm-hmm. were outwardly polite, but again, still very suspicious. Mm-hmm. After that, Dave and Patty weren't allowed to see Ryan alone. At least two nurses or a doctor had to be present. So hospital officials notified the sheriff's department and the Missouri Department of Family Services. Like I said, they come to question them separately. They asked Patty if there were any fights or other problems at home. And in the same breath, they told Patty they knew that either she or David poisoned Ryan, which I thought mm. was kind of an interesting thought. They don't put the suggestion that they both could have poisoned. They're like, it's either you right. or him. You know, I don't right. know if they're just trying to like pin them against each other. If that's just like right. a tactic. Yeah, yeah. I feel like it could just be a tactic yeah i'm intrigued how sure they are to approach it that way which but again like maybe that's another tactic of like okay we don't have proof yeah. that they've done it but i do know that in situations like these it is typically the parents like i do know that so they're probably approaching it that way but it i'm like there could be other people i don't know family that helps out you know what i mean like like totally so i'm it's intriguing to me that their first approach is like it is one of you and we're not ruling anyone else out i don't know how how it proceeds so and that's a great point too what i've noticed and this is just from very limited knowledge of police cases that we've done or that i've listened to and also maybe Mm -hmm. a handful of like tv series i've watched Mm -hmm. i've noticed that police tend to be less patient and more aggressive when it comes to cases around kids you know mm. like they, they don't have time for your bullshit they're like yeah we're yeah. gonna get you like we have no yeah. sympathy room for sympathy for people who do right. anything to kids you know right right yeah which obviously makes sense but anyways yeah. okay so patty was obviously enraged by their baseless accusations and denied poisoning her own son slowly mm. ryan improves and after 12 days he's finally released from the hospital but not to david and patty Instead, he's placed in a foster home by a social... Mm. And mind you, he's, this is their first baby. He's only three months. Like, yeah. I- I'm sure for them, their whole world is being flipped upside down right before their eyes. Yeah. So David is furious, and he asks the social worker, is this really necessary? Like, what the heck, you know? What about this whole innocence, innocent until proven guilty? Like, we haven't right. been charged with anything, so what's the big deal but i mean obviously in the case if they were poisoning i'm not saying they did or didn't but if they were poisoning their son ryan can't go home with them this is what kind of goes back to what i said earlier but like this makes me want to learn more about this process and the system because i'm like Mm -hmm. instead of going straight to foster care like couldn't they have put him in the care of again family like you know extended family is there um, a grandparent who's available Mm -hmm. or something like what is the history of the I don't know I feel like that's a big jump and like I don't know no I I so agree with you and there are grandparents in the situation that they could have easily you know put in the care of like Ryan put Ryan Mm. in the care of them so I don't know what the regulations and rules are around that um, if they just don't trust the family it's just like a blanket mistrust in this situation. Yeah. I don't know. And what, what state th- did this happen in again? Or where did this occur? Missouri. Okay. Because this is one of those moments where it's like, I really don't know anything about, uh, you know, what the particular state's process is, why they yeah. would go straight to foster care, all that stuff. And yeah. So uh, I, before I make any sort of like disagreements, mm-hmm. you know, I'm just going to see what the history is on this. But uh, yeah, continue. Sure. David's upset. He's like, is this really necessary for our son to go home with a social worker and be put in a foster home? And the social worker says that it was their policy for them to take children from their parents so the parents are suspected of poisoning their children, which lends to your right. question too. Understood. Yeah. 
take them away that from makes parents. sense but what about right. other family is that still viable right. that's a question we have from that point onwards, David and Patty's interaction with Ryan is very limited. They're only allowed to see him once a week for one hour on Thursdays. As heartbreaking as this was for them, they tried to make the most of it, and they always looked forward to seeing their son. And they were also comforted by the fact that Ryan looked well taken care of and was always happy when they did see him. This whole situation went on for about five weeks. On the sixth visit on August 31st, Patty was alone with Ryan for a very short time. Three days later, he suffers another severe attack of vomiting, and once again, he's rushed to Cardinal Glennon Hospital. And once again, mm. the diagnosis was poisoning by ethylene glycol, but this time, even mm. higher levels of ethylene glycol were found in his blood. Mm. They even get a second outside lab to test his blood, and it came back positive for ethylene glycol as well. Mm. I'm going to pause there. <laughs> I don't know if yeah. you have anything to yeah. any thoughts. No thoughts. I'm just intrigued. Cool. I'm. Uh, how did she get access to him again? So this was part of their visitations set up by the ah, social okay. worker. So they see him once a week on Thursdays for one hour. Gotcha. And this happened on the sixth visit. So after okay. six weeks. But the symptoms didn't occur until three days after that visit. Correct. Correct. So there was a point in time where she was with him alone. Like Patty was alone with her son. They don't specify how long. They just say for a very short time. The insinuation is during that time, she must have poisoned him. I'm very much on the, I have my innocent until proven guilty <laughs> yeah. hat on. I'm, that's very much how I'm approaching this episode. Yeah. I'm like, oh, it's suspicious. It's definitely suspicious, but we don't know. We don't, we don't know. know. Anyway. <laughs> Good. You'd make a great okay. juror. <laughs> okay. So the next day at the hospital, David and Patty were confronted by two detectives, and they had a warrant now for Patty's arrest. The main wow. evidence, I know, they move fast. Yeah. They're like, no doubt in our minds. <laughs> yeah, they're... Now that I'm revisiting with you, I'm like, they're really making a beeline yeah. for her. Yeah, that's why I want to know more about the culture around child protection and stuff like that, or criminal charges against child abuse charges in Missouri specifically. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm sure everywhere, country-wise, it's strict. But um, yeah, you know, I'm curious. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so the main evidence against the Stallings comes from the lab tests that found ethylene glycol in Ryan's blood and evidence of crystalline structures in his brain that also indicated the presence of ethylene glycol. Antifreeze was also discovered in the basement of the Stallings home. So they handcuff Patty, okay. they tell her she's under arrest for assault and was booked on charges of poisoning her son, Ryan. It was just Patty during just that visit. Patty. Sorry to cut in. Sorry. It was just no, Patty. No. It wasn't the husband. Okay. No, no. So during the visitation, it was both Patty and David. But there was a point in the visitation where Patty was alone with Ryan. Mm. And they think that during that time, she must have poisoned him. So they're basically, like I said, they're making a beeline for her in particular. To be honest, in many ways, I feel like they're trying to fit the case to her. Right. Because David could totally be part of it, too. I, I don't see why not. Yeah. But, you know, this is just how the case I plays want out. Yeah, I wonder if they're also making these jumps of like, oftentimes, if it's like a young infant that's, mm -hmm. you know, suffering from any sort of abuse or whatever, totally. it's typically the mother. Yeah. So I'm curious if that's where their brain is going. Right. So, and I'm, yeah. oh my God, what just happened? <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I'm scared for you. No, no, no. Okay. So for those of you who are listening right now, 
So Harini and I, when we record, we use an application online where we can also see each other like it's a video recording. But her lights just went out in her house. And I was honestly scared that the lights would come back on and there would be a face behind her. <laughs> and she's coming back to the chair. Sorry. I don't know. That was so no, bizarro. Okay. Did it? Did, it, did the whole house black out? No, I don't know what that was. That was weird. Oh. Okay. <laughs> don't worry. Megan. I just gave like a little narration as to what happened. Okay, yeah. great. Wonderful. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed that, guys. Right. Back to the story. Mm-hmm. Patty's shocked because she's just like, she did not poison her son. So in her mind, mm-hmm. she's thinking, first of all, what the hell is going on? Like, I feel like I'm in a twilight zone right now. Like, my, I just tried to bring my son to the hospital because he was so sick. And now I'm being arrested. Like, what just happened? Right. You know? So in her mind, right. she's like, okay, I figure, you know, in a few hours, they're going to realize this is all just one big misunderstanding and then release me. But as time mm-hmm. passed, Patty realized she was not getting out. While Patty is in jail, Ryan is unfortunately dying. On September mm. 7th, he's placed on life support. David, as mm. you can imagine, is trapped in his own version of hell at this point. Mm-hmm. His three-month-old mm. son is dying and his wife is in jail for the alleged poisoning of their son. The doctors mm. tell David that they don't expect Ryan to make it. Can I ask a question? Yes. Do we know if David believes in the charges against his wife does he does he feel like yeah it's my wife or is he like my wife's in jail like she's innocent 100 percent, he backs her he does not believe her a moment he thinks this is bullshit he's Mm -hmm. so upset about this whole situation Mm. Mm -hmm. he knows his wife didn't do it right because he did okay i'm kidding (laughs) i'm kidding (laughs) i'm sorry david that's not true. No, it's good. I appreciate <laughs> that. Uh, okay. The doctors tell David that Ryan is not going to make it. David even tries to get Patty temporarily released so she could at least see Ryan. But the judge refuses, mm. which I think is so heartless. But I uh. guess if the judge, yeah, if social services feel strongly that she's the one who did it i mean strongly enough that she's actually in jail at this right, point right the judge probably is like you're not fit to it's your doing essentially right so it's yeah it's all yeah perspective it's not your right to visit your mm-hmm. dying child totally totally yeah. so yes the judge refuses yeah. on account of that then the doctors mm. ask david if ryan could be removed from life support and he tearfully agrees for three mm. hours david holds his son as he slowly slips away 6.30 p.m. while the doctors shuts off the life support machine to monitor his heart rate, and he's pronounced dead soon after. He's not even six months mm. old. Mm. That night at 9 p.m., Patty gets a call from David telling her that Ryan is dead. I don't even can't even imagine being in that situation. Mm. David yeah. is thankfully allowed to visit his wife in light of recent events. The next day, Patty's charges were upgraded to first-degree murder, and she was held without bail. Wow. Yeah, they're really wow. going for her. Yeah. And Patty's not allowed to attend her son's funeral. Yeah. A few weeks later, mm. Patty discovers she's pregnant again. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't know why I sounded so surprised, but I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah. Well, it is surprising. It's just like, it's like, what do you, I don't know. It's just like unexpected, you know? Yeah, it is. It's a given their circumstances and all that, I'm sure there's a lot of emotions that would happen in that moment for her. Totally. Of like, I just lost a child and I'm pregnant. 
Yeah, that would be that would be a lot of things. I yeah. don't know how I'd do mentally in that moment. You know, no way. Yeah, I, no. I, it's too much to dissect. It's too many layers. For the next six months, Patty remains in jail while pregnant with her second child. On February twenty seventh, nineteen ninety, David D.J. Stallings Jr. was born at a Madison County hospital. He was one month premature, mm. but otherwise of good health. Even though the husband, mm-hmm. David, wasn't charged of any crime at the time, he still wasn't allowed to take DJ home with him. So DJ was placed mm. in foster care directly after Patty gave birth. Wow. Yeah. yeah. That is heartbreaking. That I mean, is again, horrible. I'm operating under the, you yeah, know, know, not innocent until proven guilty. But OK, hypothetically, even if she is cause of her first child's death. Mm. I, I don't know. I feel like I can I can separate the two. Like to have a child and then have it immediately taken away feels right. kind of rough. Especially if you don't want that. Like that's really rough to me. But I, agree. I don't know. I don't know if I if I should be sympathetic or not. I don't know. I don't know. I think I agree with you, Megan. No matter what she has or hasn't done, I think kind of ripping away the baby from the mom mm-hmm. after birth, that's really rough. Like give yeah. give them a moment, you know? Which I'm, right, maybe they right. did. I, I think I wasn't yeah. there, but yeah. it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. I'm like, okay, like playing all the hypotheticals out. Like, let's say she's mm. guilty of her first infant's death and the second infant, she even has the same intentions, you know, hypothetically. Mm. Yeah. I, so I'm saying like, I think you can, you can separate the two. I think that even if someone might have like Munchausen by proxy mm-hmm that person can still feel sad when the thing that just grew in them for nine months is immediately removed from them. Granted, maybe that baby's that baby's obviously taken away for its own safety. Okay, yeah. I get that call. Yeah. That makes sense. But it can be both things. The person can be heartbroken from that, even yeah. if their intent later is to be like, I'm gonna make this baby sick. Yeah, I don't know. I'm just trying to hum. I don't know. Is it right for me to humanize these <laughs> things? I have all these philosophical questions. Okay, so... Then what happens? <laughs> okay, yes. Then what happens is right. So so DJ's, like I said, is placed in foster care directly after Patty gives birth. And this is just me saying my thoughts when I was writing this. Was, this is mm-hmm. absolutely devastating for both David and Patty. I'm just thinking to carry this baby for nine months just to have him taken away from you, like literally taken from your arms. Mm. It has to be tragic. Mm-hmm just tragic no matter what their yeah. intentions are in that moment it's heartbreaking but mm. ironically this action would turn out to be a stroke of good fortune for both of them mm-hmm. so when dj was two weeks old he's rushed to the hospital after he began to exhibit symptoms identical to the ones ryan experienced but patty was mm. in jail at this time and right. in no way could right. have poisoned her son right also this time around dj is sent to st louis children's hospital which is the hospital that patty meant to take her son ryan to but you know exited too soon and ended up at a different hospital Mm. at Mm. this hospital dj is diagnosed with a rare genetic disorder called methylmalonic acidemia or mma Mm. so Mm. doctors there that mma could have caused ryan's symptoms okay so new tests i'm laughing because in my head (laughs) no keep cutting you off but in my head I'm like, he's diagnosed with MMA. And I picture like this badass baby in like MMA fighting gear. And, like, I just thought being so thing. stupid. <laughs> yes, me too. This, this baby's diagnosed with MMA. He's a badass. 
He's a baddie. Okay. He's anyway. a baddie baby. Yeah. Okay. Back so, to the serious stuff. <laughs> okay. So new tests were done on tissue samples from Ryan. So Ryan is the deceased baby. Mm. They run tests on his tissue samples and the results come back positive for both antifreeze or ethylene glycol and MMA. Mm. Okay. Mm. So the Stallings lawyer realizes that Ryan probably died from MMA rather than poisoning, but for some freaking reason, he offers no evidence to support that theory at the trial. Sorry, not at the trial, but just like before the trial. As a result, the Mm -hmm. judge didn't permit him to present this theory to the jury. The lawyer Mm. did tell the jury that Ryan couldn't have died of natural causes, to which the prosecutor said, so obviously the posing side, you might as well speculate that some little man from Mars came down and shot him full of some mysterious bacteria. Hmm. I mean, if you believe in aliens, (laughs) someone on that jury is like, that holds up to me. Yeah, I know. (laughs) I know. It's like, that's what I've been trying to tell people for years. <laughs> yeah. Oh. So the Stallings attorney also failed to call any character witnesses suggested by the Stallings. So this guy is just like a shit lawyer. He's just, I don't know what he's doing. Mm. He's daydreaming on the job. While right. prosecutors reevaluated the medical evidence, Patty was released from jail on recognizance bond. However, the case mm. was still pending, so Patty was denied visitation rights with DJ. But Patty found some solace in believing that this nightmare around her killing Ryan was over because of the whole MMA, right? That, now that the diagnosis has come out, she thinks, oh, slam dunk. They should know like, it's not me poisoning them because of DJ also, right? Like she wasn't even mm-hmm. around him. So it's clear that her kids have a genetic disorder, slam dunk, open and shut case. Even her lawyer, Eric Rathbone, said it was over too. However, the Jefferson County officials continued to pursue the case. The prosecution's argument was that Ryan did not die from MMA. They cited four expert witnesses mm. who noted that two separate labs identified ethylene glycol in Ryan's blood. Also, at Ryan's mm. autopsy, calcium oxalate crystals were found in his brain, which is consistent with ethylene mm. glycol poisoning. Patty's mm. lawyer, Rathbone, didn't present any expert opinions, stating that he couldn't find a medical expert to testify that Ryan had MMA and that it caused his death. What? Yes. I know. I didn't know what he's doing. He's not doing his job. He's not doing his job. He's not being passionate about fighting for the Stallings. No. Exactly. And the judge Mm. agreed with the prosecution. Neither DJ Mm. nor the symptoms he shared with Ryan were allowed to be presented as evidence at Patty's trial. Mm. Prosecuting attorney George McElroy did not believe that it would be relevant to bring up the MMA situation and bring up that DJ and or Ryan had MMA unless it could be proven that he died from it or that it was a contributing factor in his death. Mm. MMA is not even discussed at this trial, basically. Right. Which is the whole reason why Patty was released on bail was because they brought new evidence. But this idiot yeah. lawyer of hers just didn't, I guess he didn't present the information in time or didn't think it was mm. relevant. So it wasn't even presented in the case. Yeah. I'm so sorry. Did yeah. DJ pass away or is he still no. like in hospital care? at this point no he's still alive he's in okay. hospital care he's like in between hospital and foster hospital foster gotcha gotcha in january 1991 patty's trial begins without the medical testimony this case against her seems virtually airtight police and social mm. workers testify that she showed little emotion upon learning ryan's death which we know is not credible evidence <sighs> to yeah. present this is back in the mm. 80s though or sorry early 90s mm. And they also state that two bottles of antifreeze were found in Stallings' home, with one being half Mm. empty. Mm. 
The prosecution zeroes in on the events that occurred on Thursday, August 31st of 1989, which was padding David's sixth parental visit with Ryan. So I kind of talked about it before, how that was basically the evidence that the detectives put forth to charge her and incarcerate her in the first place because they were like, oh, sh- she was with Ryan for a very short period of time and then he got sick three days later, right? So mm-hmm. they're discussing that day. Okay, so on that day, David's parents, the grandparents, were invited for the first time to see Ryan. 20 minutes in, they decide to leave because they only get an hour with Ryan each week, so they wanted to make sure that David and Patty were able to spend the rest of the time with Ryan. So David walks his parents out of the room and down the hall. This is the time frame where Patty alone with Ryan. It could Mm -hmm. not have been more than 45 seconds, max. Mm -hmm. However, McElroy claims that during that visit, when Patty was left alone with Ryan, it was three to eight minutes. So this is what he's telling the jury, Mm -hmm. more like three to eight minutes. And during Mm -hmm. that time, she feeds him a bottle, after which he was taken to the hospital and diagnosed with poisoning again. But this was three days later. The bottles, several bottles, in fact, were examined for possible traces of poison. All of them tested negative except for one. And this one bottle Mm. was the one that Patty fed him with. It contained trace Mm. amounts of ethylene glycol. It had actually been prepared by the foster mother and retrieved from the diaper bag during the visit. Mm. McElroy believes, and circumstantial evidence suggests, that she slipped ethylene glycol or antifreeze into the bottle right before feeding Ryan that day. He further Mm. claims that Patty started feeding Ryan at the beginning of the visit, but David says that Patty didn't feed him until halfway through the visit, only when Ryan became fussy. And David was Mm. the one to retrieve the bottle from the diaper bag, and he didn't smell anything or see any discoloration slash proof that the bottle had been tampered with at all. It was clear to David that nothing had been done to the bottle. Mm. So Rathbone, which is the Stallings lawyer, says that Ryan's symptoms didn't appear until three and a half days later after the visit. And an expert named Cedarbaum states that it would not take 80 hours for ethylene glycol to cause symptoms in a Mm. baby, especially Mm -hmm. of his stature. He says it would have happened a lot faster. But McElroy has an answer to this as well. He says that after Mm. the visit, Ryan was sent to the home of a temporary foster parent who kept him just for that weekend. So he believes that the foster parents may have overlooked any early symptoms purely due to not knowing Ryan's history or what he's like as a baby normally. Hmm. I mean, were these foster parents uh, questioned or interviewed? Like, like, how does that theory hold up? I don't know. I don't know. But it's, I understand. It's like, it's a good defense. I understand. No, but totally. But in my head, I'm like, I don't know. But kind I agree with you, Megan. It's, like, everything yeah. he's saying is circumstantial. Like, it's not hard right. proof. Right. Like, he's did those foster parents come in as witness? You know, eyewitness. I have no idea. No idea. But anyways. Okay. So the jury deliberates for 10 hours. And on January 31st, 1993, they find Patty guilty of first-degree murder and assault with a deadly Mm. weapon. And on March 4th, she is sentenced to life in prison without parole. Mm. David collapses in shock after the verdict is read out and he has to be rushed to the hospital. After giving birth to DJ, Patty has only seen her son three times. Twice after birth and a third time when he was one week old. Each visit Mm. was limited to one hour. Well, David is only allowed to see him once a week as well. Or mm. himself, I guess. He can only see him once a week. David yeah. firmly believes that if Ryan had been correctly diagnosed with MMA, none of this would have happened. The prosecuting mm. lawyer, McElroy, believes that the jury made the right decision and that she is guilty. 
He believes that if evidence does surface that Ryan had MMA, then this case should be retried. Okay. Mm. So that was January 1993. The following May is when the Stallings case was featured on Unsolved Mysteries. Episode airs on Unsolved Mysteries, and a man named William Sly happens to be watching this episode. Sly is a professor and chairman of the Department of Biochemistry and Molecular Biology at St. Louis University, where Ryan and DJ Mm. were admitted at some point in their lives. Mm. Dr. Sly conducted additional tests on Ryan's blood. So he goes to the university because he already is faculty there. Mm. So he's like, Mm -hmm. I don't think this is correct. Like, I think I know what's going on. So he Mm. is able to get a hold of Ryan's blood and he confirms that he died from MMA and not ethylene glycol poisoning. Wow. How long do hospitals hold on to blood samples? That's a good question. I have no idea. Yeah. They held yeah. on to it longer because there was right. you know, a I don't case think around usually, it. Correct. They would not hold yeah. blood samples <clears throat> unless there was like a case, an ongoing okay. act, active case, yeah. which there was. That makes sense. Dr. Sly, he uses gas chromatography machines and found propionic acid in Ryan's blood, not ethylene glycol. Mm. Propionic mm. acid is normally found in patients with MMA. Dr. Sly noted that these two substances, so propionic acid and ethylene glycol, the difference between propionic acid and ethylene glycol is just a few carbon atoms. So it makes sense that they could be misidentified for each other. He also sent test samples of blood spiked with propionic acid to seven other labs to see if they would misidentify it as ethylene glycol. 50% of the labs did exactly that. They misidentify the propionic acid as ethylene glycol. So essentially what it comes mm. down to are lab techs, and there's no shame no shame to these lab techs. It basically right. comes down to human error. Like someone is yeah. reading these tests incorrectly. And it's just about training and maybe just like knowing the little nuances of things. But mm. that literally caused Patty to be in jail with a life sentence without parole. Yeah, It's, right. it's not a small thing. So Patty gets a new attorney, thank bless, Robert Ritter, (laughs) who petitions to the court to grant Patty another trial based on the fact that she previously received inadequate counsel from Rathbone. Surprisingly, the prosecuting lawyer, McElroy, agrees that Rathbone's defense was subpar. Oh, I mean, I'm sure McElroy could see it from (laughs) miles away. Like, ugh, like, I'm going to destroy this fool. (laughs) It's like like, someone who did not do their piece of the project, you know? Like the group project. Like, you did a zero, zero percent. Okay. Horrible. So, (laughs) so on July 30th, 1991, she is granted a new trial. And to help sort through the heap of scientific information, the prosecutors enlist the help of world-renowned geneticist at Yale, Dr. Piero Ronaldo. Dr. Mm. Ronaldo spends weeks looking at the lab evidence, and he determines that the OG lab results were wildly inaccurate, finding Mm. major errors in both sets of findings. He agrees that the results of the gas chromatography machine and the mass spectrometer did not show ethylene glycol. It shows propionic acid. Mm. On September 20th, a press conference was held in St. Louis. At the conference, Ronaldo revealed that the independent blood serum test showed Ryan had MMA and definitely died because of it. Mm. Consequently, McElroy drops all charges against Patty. Wow. He also personally apologizes to both David and Patty for putting them through this nightmare. Yeah. I mean, that's... Okay. So honestly, I just see McElroy as someone who was doing his job. Yeah. And I think that it's very easy to 
spin spin things in his favor, especially if public interest sees her as a baby killer. Like it's going to be I'm mm-hmm. I'm not trying to diminish or minimize the hard work that lawyers have to put into when they take cases. Like I get that you know, there's there's a lot more credit to them. But yeah. for him, I think he's looking at this like piece of cake. Like this is gonna be easy mm-hmm. for me. I mm-hmm. see that their legal team is inadequate and it, it's, it's a slam dunk. Just for him. look. It's just yeah. It's easy. But but at the end of the day, I'm like he's doing his job, right? And I think that's admirable. And I it just shows that he's an admirable person to even like apologize. He was doing what he was supposed to do in terms of the legal system, yeah. right? And actually, I think this is very gracious of him to apologize because mm-hmm. I feel like lawyers don't like to lose one, and two, like they mm-hmm. don't like to admit when they've maybe were a little too aggressive or stepped too far one way when they were totally wrong. So right, right. I think there's a lot of grace in the situation, and I think it only helps David and Patty. It's like that's the least I guess he could do. Yeah, it was good that he did that. Anyways, yeah. during press conference, David and Patty hear for the first time that DJ will return home, and David and Patty will regain full custody of their son since he was born. Oh, scientists believe that some of the traces of because they're basically this next part is. There's still questions, right? So they said they found traces of ethylene glycol in the bottle. He had these calcium oxalate crystals in his brain that is what happens after ethylene glycol poisoning. So why is this happening, you know? What are the answers to that? Here's the scientific proof for this. Mm. So scientists believe that some of the traces of ethylene glycol found in previous tests actually were caused by a sterilization process used to draw blood for the tests. Mm. They also mm. believe that the process of washing Ryan's bottle caused false ethylene glycol readings. Furthermore, mm. the crystals found in his brain are believed to have been yeah. caused by an ethanol drip given to him after the suspected poisoning. In fact, they believe the ethanol drip actually hastened his death. Because oh God. remember at the time when he was at the other hospital, so not St. Louis, he was at Cardinal. Right. They didn't know what it was at first. They had no idea yeah. until they got the lab results three days later. So they were giving right. him everything under the sun to try to oh. bring him back to normal. And one of it was like an ethanol drip, which made it yeah. worse. What does that achieve? Do you know an ethanol drip? I actually like, don't what does that know. achieve for a sickly baby? I have yeah. no idea. I think that's, I thought that was kind of bizarre that they decided to do that, to be honest. I don't have enough knowledge to know what the benefit or the use of it is medically. I'd have to look more into that. I'll do some side research, okay. but uh, yeah, that's really devastating. I'm like, she better get a fat check from <laughs> yeah. that hospital. Yep. But, yep. Uh, and she yeah, does. No. Okay. So oh, <laughs> in October, just over two years after Ryan's death, DJ comes home for the first time. For the first time, this poor baby. Although they knew his condition was scary, Dave and Patty were certain that they would be able to help him survive his condition and that they would be okay. Patty was also Mm. happy to finally just have her life back after two years. Mm. So Dave and Patty come back with a vengeance and they sue Cardinal Glenn Hospital. They sue St. Louis University Hospital, the doctors and Smith Klein Beecham Clinical Labs, who were all involved with incorrectly diagnosing Ryan with ethylene glycol poisoning. They claim that the mm. hospitals refused to perform additional testing even after DJ was diagnosed with MMA. In 1992, mm. Cardinal Glenn and St. Louis University and the doctors settled out of court. In 1993, they settled a lawsuit with Smith Klein. In total, they were awarded several million dollars. Unfortunately, sometime after that, David and Patty divorced. 
Mm. I think it's just a lot of trauma and emotional, yeah, emotional trauma absolutely. for the two of them. Isn't there also a statistic that after a child's death, marriages yeah. just disintegrate? But, yeah. you know, like, don't quote me on that. That's something that I hear time and time again mm -hmm. from, like, other podcasts. Yep. But I'm not yep. fact-checking them. But, like, I feel like that's pretty <laughs> likely. It's hard to come back from a child's death. It is. Um, it is. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not surprising to me, especially given the circ. It's not like a usual death. There's a lot of yeah. other emotional, traumatic things that happened around that, too. Real quick, I did a very cursory search on ethanol drips, um, specifically in children. But overall, it seems like most often ethanol drips are used for people with alcohol intoxication because mm -hmm. this mm -hmm. goes back to our very first episode ever. Yeah. But like ethanol is more easy to pass in your system. It binds to the cells and replaces any sort of methanol, mm -hmm. uh, alcohol poisoning. So That's if right. Ryan went into the... ICU and they're thinking this looks like something like an alcohol poisoning or something like that. Yep. Let's give him an ethanol drip. Totally. So that's probably what that was. I guarantee that's okay. what it was. There's your answer. His yeah. symptoms are similar to that of methanol poisoning with lethargic symptoms and almost being comatose, right. etc. And if there was suspicion even before the blood test that maybe he got into some antifreeze. Remember in the first episode, like people beer bootleggers mm -hmm. are putting antifreeze and rat poison in their like <laughs> concoctions the yeah. only antidote would be to put ethanol in your body so that right. it just can take over all the other stuff totally and, yeah. totally actually this is a little fun fact maybe you already know this megan but at mm. hospitals sometimes if they run out of the ethanol drips they literally have beer in the fridge oh on standby yeah do they make and you drink i'm assuming you can't like intravenously put beer in your body because the carbonation would like make your veins explode right? <laughs> like... <laughs> no you'll just be effervescent you'll just be fizzly on the inside <laughs> i feel like that's um, not that's not good for you but um, <laughs> no it's funny i didn't know that yeah i think you'd have to drink it yeah yeah, yeah. they they have cans of beer on the side wow um, medicine man medicine <laughs> 21st century so DJ and the family, so Patty and David and DJ, they learned to live and give DJ a lifestyle that could give him a normal life as possible, given his condition. Right. But right. tragically, DJ does die on September 17th, mm. 2013. 2013, so he had some life in him, but... Yeah, that's honestly seems more painful, given yeah. everything they went through. I know. And then having your child reach, like, what, preteen? Yeah. Teenage years? 12, maybe. Well, 2013, actually. He was born Wait, in... 93, 2013? He would have been 18, like, in college, 19. Yeah. Like us. I think that's, that's probably really painful. That's like, really painful. Knowing that your child was just reaching adult, like, adulthood, going to, uh, like... Oh, that's God. hard. This is a sad one. Sorry. Fuck. Yeah. Dude. Mm. Yeah. Okay. I think I think it's difficult because I'm just now realizing he was born around the same time as us. More yeah. like me, but yeah. I'm I'm laughing because our math skills <laughs> are bad. And and to just realize like, oh wait, we were born in ninety-three and ninety-four. We would have been the same age. Yeah. Anyways. So DJ passes away September seventeenth, twenty thirteen, and then David, the mm -hmm. father, passes away on April thirtieth, twenty nineteen, at the age of fifty seven, following a lengthy mm -hmm. illness. Just like mm. tragedy after tragedy. Yeah. 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 That's the story. God. <laughs> That's the story. And God I'm, damn. I'm going to let you yeah. say your thoughts and feelings. And then I'm sure, just going to sure. go very small into the toxicology. of. I really like this story 
because I feel like we don't often, well, maybe not a lot of the stories we've picked talk about just like human error that happens yeah. on the other end. You know what I mean? And that makes sense because when we initially started this podcast, our slant was mostly like true crime and mm-hmm. and very intentional poisonings and things right. like that. I get that. It's scary. Not only is it sad, but it's scary to think that. Well, you know, that's the thing. What's, what's the legal term when uh, a hospital or a hospital professional healthcare worker... Malpractice. Right. Okay, that's the word. <laughs> Dude, you, you guys already know me. You. I'm always, I'm always like freaking not finding the words. But yeah, <laughs> like hospital malpractice is something that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. That's my understanding. Happens all the mm-hmm. time. I, I feel like I even have a friend whose parents are physicians, and they're like, oh yeah, my father and mom is always getting like these malpractice complaints or whatever and i can see it going both ways i'm yeah i'm not saying like they're a bad right doctor but i can see that that could happen on a very non-critical level of like i'm not happy with this service and you didn't prescribe me the medication i needed you know Mm -hmm. whatever or the amount that i wanted so i can see that being like a malpractice complaint anyways what i'm trying to say is that it is scary knowing that severe malpractice does happen and i see this as a situation that sort of situation and it's tough because i like I'm someone who ended up not going down the bio path. I never yeah. did labs in college. Mm-hmm. I, I've not once ever took a lab. Mm-hmm. And so I'm on the end of like anyone who has lab experience or whatever. I'm like, you're knowledgeable. You know what's up. But to know that this all went down because they misread a blood sample Literally. because there's one carbon molecule off. It makes me realize not everyone who's in an industry that you never took an interest in is is you know totally god tier in that industry you know what i mean totally. they're they're not totally my mom always used to complain about one pediatrician we had <laughs> and she always used to say after our visits but also we were under <sighs> god fuck i can i say certain um hospital company names and not get sued on here anyway we were under a certain hospital uh insurance plan Kaiser, that is notorious Kaiser, Kaiser. For, okay. yeah i mean as soon um, as you say that we all know <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah and Sorry, uh we would always leave my appointments um, and my mom would be disgruntled because, you know, it's just kind of rough service. They're trying to yeah. train a lot of people, a lot yep. of patients yep. out. That's, but we just... had this one particular pediatrician and she would always say to me after, or my mom would say to me, she'd say, Megan, you need to understand that just because some people become doctors does not mean they are brilliant in their trade. And then she would use that as a way to say to me, like, you can clearly become a doctor. And then she'd push that. She's like, Megan, you'd be a better doctor than her. Like all that. Oh my god. Just a parent doing that shit. Yeah, yeah. But those were my thoughts and like heart it's heartbreaking um knowing that someone's life honestly was shattered long term not even two years of patty's life to me it's like her whole life is ruined the loss of her child there is a moment that you talked about when the prosecution was kind of being like oh you know she wasn't very emotion full mm-hmm. she wasn't mm-hmm. she didn't emote as much when right. her ch- when news of her child died right. this <laughs> reminds me of you're wrong about episode mm-hmm. about the woman 
who the famous uh, a dingo ate my baby <laughs> that woman in that trial the same shit happened to her but um and i think that's a theme i've mentioned that actually i've mentioned that episode before but that is a theme that people expect you to act a certain way when you get horrible news when a family member dies or your baby or infant dies but it's like you can be grieving horrendously and still be calm. Yes. And so I just hate that concept of, okay, she didn't emote at all. So she must clearly have killed this child. Not like, valid at all. At all. Yeah. It's a great story. Really horrible. Like, just devastating. Uh, yeah. Like, and, and I'm also, at the end, when you're like, even the husband dies after uh, his teenage son dies, I'm like... God, some people just the cards are not in their favor. Like, but, but the thing is, Megan, like I have no doubt in my mind and my heart that he died because of his life, of everything that no, happened. That's, what I'm, that's that's what I feel too. I'm like, I'm, I think of the book where the red fern grows, and remember, one <laughs> of the dogs dies. Spoiler alert: one of the dogs <laughs> dies, and the other dog who lives ends up just dying of a broken heart. You know, like, oh. I, and I, I've always believed that as a child since reading that book. I'm like, I'm, I truly think that your life can be so sad and miserable that you just don't want to, your body's like, I don't want to fucking give up. I'm yeah. done. Yeah. You know, like your, your life is just full of sadness and misery and you just died from broken heart. <laughs> yeah. Quite honestly. I believe that. Yeah. I believe that. Yep. 100%. In this scenario, it is really unfortunate that it was just it just came down to maybe lack of training like lack of thorough mm. training on right behalf of whatever that lab clinic was on their lab techs because it is mm-hmm. i guarantee you it's probably very difficult to distinguish between the two different acids but that is your job you know like that is right 100 your job because it kind of reminds me of the theranos situation right if you mm-hmm. get a misdiagnosis that has a huge ripple effect in your entire life. It has mm. financial costs. It has emotional costs, mental costs. You know, there's so yeah. many other things associated with it that mean a lot to that person. Yeah. Anyways, like, I just thought this was a very interesting case. It reminds me of, because this stuff happens all the time, like where, you know, mm. a kid comes in very sick and the parents are accused of the poisoning. As Megan stated mm-hmm. correctly, just purely based on stats most of the times unfortunately it is the parents that are poisoning them or or one or both but this Mm -hmm. was a very unique situation where it was none of the above and it was actually a rare genetic disorder so very very interesting and thank bless that guy Mm -hmm. that professor was watching unsolved mysteries and was like this is not correct actually i didn't put this in the story but Several physicians had watched that particular episode and called in to Unsolved Mysteries mm. saying, like, this is not unsolved. This is very clearly solved. Yeah. This is yeah. MMA. Like, I, if you're able yeah. to give me samples, I can prove it. It just happens to be that this right. particular professor worked at that hospital wow. um, and was yeah. able or had the willingness to actually, like, seek it out. I feel yeah. like that's something that I've seen in terms of Unsolved Mysteries or shows like that, where, mm-hmm. like they'll eventually reveal that like it was never a person that was to blame it was some sort of rare rare genetic disorder right and whenever i see those shows it is maybe perplexing to me because sometimes there will be different shows that will actually talk about the same thing but Mm. it'll still be presented as this is a rare genetic disorder and i get that it is rare but 
to me, I'm like, okay, to the point that it's now being covered on different shows with two different storylines altogether, (laughs) unrelated. I do think I'm like, to put it quite simply, I'm like, when will people get that shit together in terms of recognizing it right away? You know, and I know that's unfair because it's, Obviously, if it's a rare disorder, it's not going to come to your brain automatically. You're going to want to suss out everything else before jumping into this extreme pool of diseases or whatever. Mm-hmm. I just sometimes I see that and I'm just like, shouldn't you know by now? <laughs> you know, that I have like this heavy expectation. I'm like, shouldn't, like, shouldn't you have recognized <laughs> this? But that's how I felt Fool about me once. You know, right. Exactly. That's how I felt about feel about oftentimes poisoning cases in general right i think i said this before in the cast of like how come no one's thinking poisoning right away they want to always think it's something else like they're not you know but uh, i don't know how these things work this was the case where it was opposite of what you were saying like they did think it was poisoning right away and they didn't think about anything right right so so maybe that's yeah maybe that's a learning experience for me in terms of never go to one extreme so soon yeah i guess no 100 percent. like i think this is a big flaw in medicine and i think that's changing like i i definitely think it's changing the way that we practice but i would say sometimes people are so pigeonholed especially like specialists mm. like medical specialists who are just people are just gi or cancer or cardio whatever right. if right. you ask a cardiologist what's wrong with this person They're like oh it's his heart if you ask a nephrologist what's wrong with the same person, they're gonna be like, Oh, it's his kidneys. You know, mm, like it's just mm, you're you're mm-hmm. wearing those rose colored glasses based on what you're so used to seeing. So right. Right. I think in general, what we are striving towards and what people are doing these days is just like being more open minded and not yeah. trying to zero in on one thing right away. Like just be more right. holistic about the way that right. you approach healthcare and treating your patients. So it's just a lesson yeah. in that. No, I really like this story. Good. Yeah. Good, good, good. Mm-hmm. Do you know where Patricia Stallings is today? Ooh, I don't, but I'd like to know. Mm. Maybe if you're able to yeah. uh, to look it up while I say the toxicology portion. Yeah, I, absolutely. I'd be curious. Go, go for it. I'm sure she's yeah. kind of off the grid by now, but who knows. So basically, it's a very short toxicology section because there's not a lot known about MMA, to be honest, because it is so rare. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to discuss what it is exactly. So people who have MMA can only partially break down nutrients in milk and other foods. In DJ's case, he was missing a protein as well as Ryan's case. So DJ and Ryan were both missing a protein called cobalamin adenosyltransferase. This protein Mm. is necessary to carry out one of the steps in the digestive process. And without it, he could only partially metabolize the formula or breast milk that he was getting. As a result, toxic byproducts would accumulate in his bloodstream that look almost identical to antifreeze. What an unfortunate <laughs> circumstance mm. that you have this rare genetic disorder that looks like a very common poison. When I say protein, I'm not talking about, you know, the protein that you put in your protein shake or that is found in meat or lentils, etc. I'm talking about the individual proteins in your body of which there are 20,000 different varieties. And these proteins are tiny machines that do all the heavy lifting in our body to make sure we are running like this well-oiled machine. And I've talked about this Mm -hmm. before, but examples of functional proteins that you may be familiar with are insulin to regulate the amount of sugar in your body, hemoglobin that carries oxygen to our lungs and the rest of our body, and antibodies. I think a lot of people are familiar with that these days. 
they are our body's defense system to external infections. Hmm. Pretty much every protein is a target of all drugs. So if you Hmm. think of a drug, it's probably targeting some sort of protein in your body to make it work. So for example, lipid-lowering drugs target HMG-CoA reductase, which is a protein. Pain relievers that we take over the counter, like ibuprofen, it targets a Mm. protein called COX-2. List goes on. So Mm. when Dr. Sly tested Ryan's tissue samples, he found a lot of propionic acid. And this is the toxic metabolite that accumulates in MMA. MMA is an inherited disorder, so it is genetic. You can get one copy of the gene from your dad and one from your mom. Unfortunately, there is no cure to this. All you can do is eat a specialized diet, which is, Mm. I think, what they tried to do for DJ. But at the end of the day, it's difficult to maintain a full lifestyle without being able to have protein. Proteins Mm. are, like I just said, essential to our body functioning. So Mm. he's not even able to have amino acids. And just for everyone's knowledge, Mm. amino acids naturally occurring Mm. in our body. But some of them we cannot get. Like, it's not endogenous to our body system we have to get mm-hmm. it from food that we eat so that's how we replenish it like the amino acids in our body are essentially crucial to us functioning but not all of them are naturally occurring so you have to get mm-hmm. them from our foods what we eat etc cetera, etc cetera. so if in this situation with mma i kind of feel like i have to do more research but from what i'm reading mm-hmm. most people are not expected to live that long because it's really difficult mm-hmm. to live without all those essential amino acids functioning in your body yeah i just did a quick fact check for you mm-hmm. it says 20 20, 20, amino, 20 amino acids, acids. okay there you go yeah. perfect thank you children with mma yeah. lack that protein to break down everything and the symptoms of mma include vomiting floppy muscles and excessive fatigue children with mma do not gain weight and they grow as much as they're expected to but they don't have a long lifespan yeah wow What's the full name of MMA again if people want to research it after this episode? It's methylmalonic acidemia. Methylmalonic acidemia or MMA. Fascinating. Yeah, I tried to look it up on several sites and it's usually just like a paragraph or two. So I don't like I think that kind of speaks to how rare it is. But they do stress a lot of and this is what I was going to talk about afterwards. But typically a case of MMA is not caught the first time around because it presents mm. like other things clearly that we right. saw in this case. Right. It's only when if you happen to have a second kid or if it happens again, sometimes they'll catch on to it. If you're a good doctor, you'll catch on to it to be like, mm. uh, this looks this could be something else. Let's let's test for right. some of these rare genetic disorders. So it usually right. it has to happen twice for them to understand like it could be MMA. Right. You might have mentioned this, so I apologize Mm -hmm. if um, I didn't hear it, but it says that it's typically passed down through families. Mm -hmm. Did you mention you mentioned that? Yes, it's a genetic Um, disorder. So yes, hereditary. Right, right, right. So, okay, no duh, Megan. But (laughs) uh, that's my question (laughs) then is, I wonder if the Stallings, after this whole situation, did any sort of you know, looking through their family's history or their own parents' genetics or whatever. But also at the time, I don't, that maybe that stuff wasn't that big in the 90s. Plus also you would be looking back to older generations. So like how well would that have been marked for their grandparents or, you know, who would have been in the 
freaking 1900s you know so. and the thing is like there might not have been any history of it megan because that is why it's so rare you have to have one exactly one copy and i guarantee you i haven't done the the deeper research onto this but if you mm-hmm. guys remember like your basic genetics like you have a dominant trait and then you have a recessive trait so i can guarantee right. you because it's so rare you would need two recessive traits for this to show up in your child so mm. it has to work out perfectly that the person that you choose to mate with in life also Mm. has this specific recessive gene and it happens to both work out where your child gets both of them right that is like the Um, the odds of that are almost astronomical um right but it but it can happen it can happen which is scary right yeah and yeah that's actually why i mean i don't know if that's why but there are a number of reasons why this is done, but after you reach, I want to say 30 years old or maybe 31 years old and you're pregnant or trying to get pregnant, let's say you are pregnant, you are now asked to do certain genetic testing, just like a kind right. of a blanket genetic testing to see for certain disorders ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess in this case, it would have been both Patricia and David that passed that one gene on to mm-hmm, mm-hmm. both their children just so happens right both children it makes too, me think right? of right oh, but they wouldn't have known like so no, so okay no. this makes me think of i was watching um you know some another like medical doc either on discovery discovery or even hell tlc <laughs> sure, but sure. it was about family with two girls mm-hmm. who were born with harlequin ichthyosis um do you know what that is no it's a it's also a rare genetic disorder where your skin cells cannot stop replicating duplicating oh your, your skin cells don't stop growing like your skin continues to grow Whoa. to a point that you you become so dry and um like your skin cracks because oh. it's i don't know multiplying so rapidly right. and so if you if you look up harlequin ichthyosis it's a little bit visually interesting to look at because you look as newborns you kind of look bloody because you're you're just cracking everywhere oh so God. you live this life where you have to constantly moisturize and bathe and make sure there's no infections in oh, the wounds no. so these two so this family what was interesting about them i think they're in the uk mm-hmm. and they had two daughters when they had the first daughter they were like obviously you can you know something is up when the baby's born um it's very visible right away yeah so they go to a you know they do genetic therapy what you know whatever family therapy to understand Mm -hmm. how this happened and just like the stallings i guess in this case this these two parents they just so happen to have that one recessive gene that be potentially passed on to a child (sighs) and the therapist and remember this is just after their first child the therapist was like I don't recommend you having another child because the likelihood of having another kid with Harlequin ichthyosis is very high. And the parents are the ones who actually say this to the camera and they're like, you know, we even knew that that was the warning to us. They still chose to have another daughter and she also gets this disorder. And I mean, like they're, they're alive and well today, but like it is a hard life, hard life to live. So it is fascinating. And I think about that because if the Stallings, let's say all this lab testing wasn't botched for them and they had this gene mapping Mm -hmm. availability to Mm -hmm. them, like, would they have proceeded with having another child? But it's hard to say like emotionally, you just lost your child who was an infant. I can see you being like, well, it's worth the risk in some ways to have another kid. Who knows? 
who knows but well, i um, honestly think super that fascinating that is super fascinating and the way that you're describing it like their skin was constantly growing and you're saying that it was mm-hmm. so drying it was cracking all the time like their skin is essentially molting 24 yeah. 7 yeah like they're growing yeah. a new skin and that's why it keeps flaking right. off or cracking or whatever like that's mm-hmm. I, I don't even that's such a huge task of a yeah. life you it's know? your 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 biggest organ right it's just continuing to shed that it's, is it's wild nuts. that is nuts there's nowadays there's a higher there's another word for survivability mm-hmm. what's the word haridi there's a higher like you can you nowadays you can live a long time with harlequinic yeah. like it, it is possible but it's really tough when you're a child gotcha. like you think baby eczema is bad <laughs> nothing compared to this like oof. Dude, that's Anyways. wild. I wonder, and I'm curious to know your your answer to this, Megan. If she had mm. not exited early, if she did not exit that freeway mm. early and went Fuck. to St. Louis University Hospital, would oh, things be shit. different for her? God, I don't like to think that. I, I, think I that's mean, a I, I she asks I understand the question every day. I'm sure. God, Ugh. I don't know. That could be rhetorical, but Poison Pals. What yeah, do you yeah. Think? I don't know. Yeah, hold that in your hearts. <laughs> Hold that in your hearts and dwell on it for the rest of your day. Oh, uh, yeah. I'd like to believe no in some ways because it's worse mm. to think it could have been different. You don't want right, to be in the past. Right. You don't want to live in the past that way, but right. who knows? Right. I'm also kind of leaning towards the it would not have been different, but I'm basing that on what had been said earlier that over... 50% of after they found out about the the incorrect lab testing or diagnosis they sent the blood to other labs mm-hmm. and they realized that over 50% also said it right. was oh. antifreeze yeah. or ethylene yeah and so part of me is like i think any hospital potentially with having a young infant coming into the ICU and doing rapid blood tests, there probably would have been similar mistakes. Yeah. That's just yeah. how I feel. But who knows? I'm sure I'm sure you're right. I'm sure she's thought about that. Yeah. Thanks for bringing the, that one forward. I didn't know about that. I didn't know about that case. We can do antidotes. Um, yeah, let's do it. Let's go into antidotes. <laughs> my antidote is that my mom and sister yeah. are coming to visit me tomorrow. Woo-hoo. They're going to be here for a full five days, which yes. is super exciting. Um, that is luxurious. They, yeah, I'm, I'm really happy for both of them. I feel like they don't take vacations mm-hmm. often, which mm-hmm. I get. One, because of my sister's schedule. And yeah. two, my mom just likes to stay at home. It is what it is. I don't blame her for it. But I'm glad that they can finally come down to San Diego and stay with me and be comfortable in my new apartment. Yeah. Like, it's just going to be us three. Like. I'm just happy that it's finally happening and I'm happy that they can get a reprieve from whatever, uh, you know, is going on at their house Mm -hmm. up in Sacramento Mm -hmm. because there's always something going on up there. So yeah, I'm glad that I can be the daughter that's like, (laughs) I'm the vacation daughter. Yes. Manira will one day be that. (laughs) Manira will one day be that. But um, I at least I can offer that now. Yeah, so. you're the vacation that's my daughter. Antidote. That's such a great way to put it. <laughs> I love it. Uh, <laughs> that's a wonderful antidote. And I'm equally excited uh, that they're coming. Because I just know mm. how great a feeling it is to be able to host Absolutely. in general. But also to host yeah. your family is like mm, chef's kiss. It's such a great Absolutely. feeling. Yeah. My antidote is... To be honest, guys, full disclosure. We've been recording 
like mad men, mad woman. We have. We were just incurring back to back to back. So I'm yes, struggling. Yes, but it feels. I, I'm. I didn't realize you felt struggling. I was gonna say it feels like like we are on our shit. Like I I've liked our process. We have a good buffer for an episode between us. But I'm sorry if you've been like no no no. Okay, what's your antidote? Sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> That's not what I meant. I love that we're recording so much. But I said I'm yeah. struggling to get an antidote because we've been recording so uh, I see often. I see I see so okay, I'm like okay. oh shit <laughs> I've been running out of my my happy thoughts um <laughs> honestly um I think my thing that made me smile this week actually was today one I looked at the moon even though it's not like yes. technically a full moon it was yesterday I think I, it, know. I looked at the moon because that always makes me happy. But also today I didn't have too much going on with work, which is kind of nice. So I could catch up on like other things. So I mm. I was supposed to get my hair done today and my hairdresser canceled on me, which was like, ah. but after that, I was like, let me go work out. So I work out in the backyard nice. at my parents' house and it was sunny today. We had some rain and it was kind of cloudy the last couple of days. So it's nice to feel the sun. Like nothing makes me feel more happy than like, being out on like the pavement or like the stone Mm. in my back my parents backyard just feeling the warmth of the stone Mm. on my hands and just like kind Mm. of like feeling the earth and grounding myself for a moment and be like yeah outside and just get some vitamin d so i worked out love that listen to a podcast not my own (laughs) listen to a different (laughs) podcast enjoyed myself and just felt good moving my body that's my answer love that that does feel good, especially when the sun is fresh, the air feels clean, and it's not too hot because it did just rain. It did. I it do love cool. that warm touch of the ground. <sighs> so good. The so senses. good. The senses. It was all there. It was all there. San Diego was. Uh, actually, no, I have a different antidote. Sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> sorry, right. that came out of nowhere. <laughs> okay, this is a two, two, double, double hitter. Sorry, sorry. This is something I wanted to tell Megan. <laughs> Last time I saw her, but then I totally fucking forgot. Okay. Oh my god, it's sleeping next door and I'm yelling. Oh, sorry, Dave. <laughs> uh anyways. So <laughs> okay, I wanted to tell you this when I came over, Megan, but um this mm-hmm. was two Sundays ago, I think. Dave and I went okay. to Pure Project in San Diego, which Megan, mm. I don't know if you've been there. I've heard about it several times now. God. It's such good beer. I'm not sure if I've heard it. I feel like I've heard it from you and other people. Yes. So I'm sure if you guys are ever in San Diego, go to a brewery called Pure Project. They're big now, but I remember Mm. Dave and I actually went on a whim. We ended up going to their brewery the week that they opened. They're a brewery Mm. that is inspired by the flavors of Costa Rica. Very delicious beer. Anyways, so we went there to their original location, which is in the Miramar. It's like near ballast point so we went there and they have like an outdoor seating because of covid so dave and i went to go get a flight and then we just like hung out outside and Um, there were two british guys seated next to us they mm. were super british and just like talking back and forth and in my mind i was like (laughs) i want to be friends with you (laughs) but i had to like see like them i see two you know just british dudes talking and then behind you you see behind their shoulders you see harini's head just pop up right yeah i'm just like like, sloth slowly (laughs) exactly uh so i have to really reel myself in but i'm definitely staring and have three ears open to their conversation um (laughs) And then this other guy like comes out of his car and he's walking past 
And he literally waves and says hi. And he wasn't even waving at me. He was waving at Dave. But I, and Dave doesn't say hi. I, I'm like, hi. <laughs> and then the guy <laughs> talk, was talk like, to me. <laughs> I know, like, yeah. hi, hi. And then the guy was like, oh, sorry. Like, I totally mistook you for someone else. I, thought you were my coworkers, blah 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 and then i get embarrassed because mm. i'm like oh my god i just keep yeah. saying hi to random people <laughs> but then he was very cool he's like but hey like my name is nick and then he like fist pumped us both because covid he just fist, oh, right fist on, pumped right us on. yeah it was dope but he was yeah. like hey my name is nick um and then he we said our names like oh, i'm dave and and he's like cool i'm gonna go get a flight and then be cool to chat whatever so he go he goes oh, get his flight and then he's sitting yeah. and the way it is it's very communal like it's just like tables all sat yeah. together and somehow right. some way like me and Dave this Nick guy and then the two bros guys we all start talking and we just start talking oh, about like nice. San Diego beer because we learned that they're yeah. like here for a work conference the British guys they're like loving okay. San Diego they were asking us like where yeah. to go and we're all chit-chatting and like they're yeah. ta- we're talking they're talking business we're talking life we're talking everything yeah. it was super cool right on um it was, it was like really amazing. We basically talked the entire time we were there. We finished our flights and then right as we finished their flights, they finished their drinks. And we're, they're like, we're going to head off to that next place you guys talk to, talk to us mm. about. And we're just going to walk. And we're like, yeah, mm-hmm. you should walk. I was like, I've never walked. I've always driven, but you guys can walk. <laughs> My lazy ass. Yeah. But it was yeah. so interesting to see like San Diego kind of through their perspective because yeah. um, the like the fighter jets were flying overhead because mm. of the Miramar base and they immediately stopped the conversation with us and they took out their phones and started filming it like the British yeah, guys yeah. and like yeah. they're like you guys probably see this line vote this is so fascinating to us and I was like oh yeah. that's cool but were they yeah. were they coming from overseas yes yes they were from okay. Manchester I think oh I mean it makes sense for them to walk because they're probably like damn we don't get this nice weather like might as well enjoy it you yeah. know yeah I totally it was funny that they asked us if they could walk because we don't walk mm. in san diego right. that sure, much sure. but sure. in london yeah. like that's the thing like you walk everywhere yeah. you know so they're yeah. just used yeah. used to like walking longer distances and it wasn't even that long of walk yeah. it was like a seven eight minute walk anyways yeah it was just bad. like we didn't even know these people but we're just exchanging pleasantries and talking the shit and it was just fun yeah. it was i personally and megan knows this we both are the same this way we like i think we really thrive off the energy of other people and talking mm-hmm. to people really just Absolutely. like boosts us all the way the fuck up <laughs> so oh, it was super fun. it was a great yeah. great day <laughs> i love that i know that feeling you're talking about um that is a good feeling and i yeah i can see why that was a great day oh so that's really nice so I'm, I'm booting that. my exercise workout today you can have both yeah we can have both you can have both all right that was way too freaking long sorry brayden so we'll head on out of this episode wow you gotta Um, take it away i'm gonna take it away i'm trying to think of something that's not controversial don't risk it for that poorly analyzed lab biscuit absolutely do not just don't ask always ask for a second opinion always ask (laughs) it's okay to be wrong guys we all do it from time to time all right guys thanks so much for listening once more we'll see you next time bye peace